Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reimbold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. Now let me say that again. We This morning, for this last meeting, we're going to talk about selfishness. Now this is going to definitely be about who? Me and you. Okay? Not that the weekend hadn't been, but, but uh, about selfishness. What is it that's holding us away from a lot of God's blessings except selfishness? And that's what it is. Because we get to wanting what? What's best for us? You know, I love me, myself, and I, and to heck with you. 
You know, well, no, well, no, we as Christians, we wouldn't say that. No, we wouldn't say that, but brothers and sisters, unfortunately, we do that. We are to think of the other first, and what we do is think of the other after we think about us, okay? Well, uh, this morning tonight, uh, let's go to Genesis 13, and I uh, said uh, last night that we were going to get into this thing uh, about uh, Abraham and some of the other patriarchs and, and begin to see why they were different why they were different. Again, yes, they were greatly anointed of God, no doubt about that, but as I hope we proved to you this weekend that that's not everything by any any stretch of the imagination. It is a beginning. They had to fulfill in order to have been blessed, okay, the way they were blessed. Genesis 13, 1, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. God had blessed. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hea, and unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, uh, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them. In other words, there was with what Abraham had and what Lot had, the land couldn't take care of it, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the, Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Thou, If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go left. Now, now the important thing is to understand something. Now, Abram, Abraham... Bless God, he had a right, okay, he had a right to tell Lot which direction to go. And he did. I mean, uh, that's all the words to it. But he told him, he said, now, you, if you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left, all right? And Lot lifted up, up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even at the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou uh, comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Now, uh, do you suppose because we're watching Lot, and he's looking out there and over the plain, and he's saying, well, let's don't be stupid, let's, take, let's go this way. He took the better, Okay. Because now, if again, if, if Lot's heart would have been right, and I'm not saying it was terribly wrong, but again, we're talking about selfishness. If Lot's heart would have been wrong, I mean right, it was wrong, but if it had been right, what he would have done was said, you, you, know, uh, uh, you know, really, you go ahead and choose, and I'll just take the other. But no, because the heart, and what I want you to see this morning, is the heart of Abram, heart, the heart of Abraham. It didn't matter to Abraham, and, and let me tell you why it didn't matter to him, whether he went left or he went right. God was with him, okay? Now, he knew that. So, so he wasn't concerned as to the fact that Lot was going to take the better of the land because there again, he saw that it was well watered everywhere, okay? In other words, he wasn't going to have any problem with his, with his herds, because he had all the water he needed to have. Now, it doesn't say exactly there wasn't water where uh, Abram went, but there, even if there wasn't, there would have been. You know, I'm always saying it doesn't make any difference. If it's not there, it will be there because I'm going there. Amen. And that's the way it is, will be with, with us these days or for us. But I, I, thought it was so, I thought it was so neat because, uh, you know, there again, Abraham was what? Hey, you go, you go, just, just choose. And he chose. 
And Abraham did his thing. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Ended up being a bad choice anyway in the end, didn't it? But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, now listen, forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So you see, there had to be a great attachment to the decision that Abram made when he said, Lot, you choose, I'll take what's left. It's a heart thing, brothers and sisters. And because he did that, then the Lord God turned around. Was there any promise to Abraham? Before? No, no. But Abram knew that God was going to take care of him. But then he turned around and told him, he said, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. If you, if you number the dust of the earth, then uh, you can number the seed. Because Abraham did what he did. And walked up right before God. We're here today. Okay? I know a lot of times we talk about that. Well, the apostles and that. Yeah, that too. But this is where it really began for us. Was the fact that, that there wasn't, you know, it didn't say, well, Abram spent three days and three nights before the Lord God before he decided to let Lot. No, no. It doesn't say that. He just simply said, look, there's no sense of us having problems here. You uh, you go your way, and I'll go my way, and everything's going to be fine. And then the Lord God comes. So it, you don't have to you know, be a rocket science to connect this stuff. Abram's heart was right. So now his generation of children of his seed would be like the dust of the earth. You ever pick up a handful of dust and just take it and squeeze it through your hand and watch it drop? That's just a handful. That's the dust. That's the dust. My goodness. Another place he said it's the sand of the sea. You know, you go, you get on, you get on a beach, and you pick that, pick that sand up and let it run, and you look up and down that beach, and miles of beach, miles of sand, and go, wow, this is Abram's seed. Let's go to Genesis 22, if you will. And, and uh, of course, this is probably the epitome of, of uh, Abraham. And what selfishness could have been for you and I again, okay? 22.1 of Genesis. And it came to pass after the, these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, you need to probably highlight or, or circle the word tempt. Will God tempt us? Yes, okay? Uh, did uh, tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, not that he didn't, uh, Abraham didn't know that, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, brothers and sisters, I have literally spent years meditating What a thing. He didn't have a son. Well, he had one, of course, with a handmaiden, Hagar, Ishmael. But this was his son with his wife. And the Lord is saying, you're going to sacrifice, okay? You're going to offer him up, sacrifice him for a burnt offering. going to burn your son on a pile of wood. Come on, God doesn't say that. What kind of God would this be that would that would do something like that? Now, could you that's in this room this day, 
And you may have 15 kids, but could you take any one of them? Could you take them up on a mount somewhere and sacrifice them to the Lord? Yeah. No, neither could I. But Abraham did. Do you ever wonder why Abraham did that? Do, do, well, when, well, he knew that God wouldn't carry it through. We didn't know God wasn't going to carry through this whole deal with this uh, <laughs> vowing to him about our, our holiness either, did we? Huh? Come on. Great illustration we had this weekend. But it was about obedience. And then we find down through the scriptures where it actually says that obedience is better than sacrifice. I always figured that that, had to, that that verse had to be drawn for this thing with Abraham. Here the, this God that he serves, we serve today, is saying, Take thy only son, Isaac, and you will sacrifice him. You will sacrifice. You'll put him to death. I, 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 for years and years and still today, I can't imagine the feeling that Abraham had. I don't think that Abraham had any thought about it turning out like it turned out. I really believe that Abraham went up to Mount Moriah with every, everything in his heart that he was going to have to sacrifice Isaac. And I believe that. There's no, there's no indication uh, scripturally that, that, that it was any other way than that. Now, again, I have taught you there is no temptation that will ever come to you that if there's not the possibility of failure, it's not a real temptation. Now, was this a real temptation? Absolutely so, wasn't it? In fact, not only real, <laughs> man, unbearable. I've wondered... How he must have felt when him, and I think it was a servant that was with him, and how that every step that he, every step that he took, he knew that he was one step closer to losing a son, his only son. I can't imagine, and, and, and you know, folks, one time years ago, uh, when we just started this church, as a matter of fact, well, I don't know whether you know, and sometimes, again, we talked about uh, having fantasies, and sometimes you get to fantasizing things, and, and, of course, the grass is always greener down there than it is where you're at any house, we say. And, and, and I don't know, things. being a minister is kind of like riding on a roller coaster. One day everybody's happy, the next day everybody's not. Now we're happy. No, you don't know when you get up whether we're happy or we're not as, as a congregation. And I got kind of gone, Lord, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. You know, I kind of grew up being an athlete, and bless God, I, you know, wasn't real sure about all of it. And I mean, with people anyhow. And so I'm moping around about it. I got moping around about it. And finally, the angel came. And you know, the angel said something to me that I never forgot and changed my entire life. He said, you know, when all this stuff comes, and it will, and he said it always will, he said, Think on these things. The Lord will never ask anybody, me, you, or anyone else, to ever have nails, be hung on a tree and have the nails, okay, have the crown driven down, have the spear driven, uh, driven through them. So he said, you think on these things, and you rejoice when all matter of persecution comes against you. Well, that is a kind of the same thing that in, in, in Abraham's way that he was going through, that he was having to make a decision that ultimately was going to change the, it changed the world. It would have changed the world if he hadn't have done what he did. So anytime you, we get to thinking we got it tough, my mother always used to say to me, probably from the time I was about eight years old, she'd say, now, you know, you, you know, things may not be good through life. And she said, there may be a time that maybe, uh, Tommy, you won't be able to buy shoes to put on your feet. But she said, always remember one thing. There's people in this world, even if they had shoes, they would, don't have feet. And, and through that process of growing up, I begin, I begin to realize something. You have to look toward the positive side of everything.
Now, what was positive in this side with Abraham? Didn't look like much of anything, did it? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. But folks, there had to been something there. There had to have been something positive in, in what God had told Abraham. I, I mean, sometimes I get to wonder if, if maybe the fact that he looked up and, and the Lord God was smiling, going, pick up this hint, Abraham, it's not really going to happen. No. He was on his way to sacrifice his son. Fourth verse. Then on the third day, Abraham, so they went three days, lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his, young, unto his young men, so there's more than one, Abide here with, here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now Abraham, he didn't tell them what was happening. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and, he, and they went, and they both went um, went both of them together. You get the idea. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now let's stop again. Well, I mean, if you got that far, I wouldn't have. You probably wouldn't have either. But if I had got that far, and here's this boy, and he says, well, well Dad, where's the, where's the lamb at for this offering? Huh? Can, can, can you feel the brokenness that must have been in Abraham's heart? My Lord and my God, the boys noticed we don't have a sacrifice. What's going to What's going to happen? How How's this going to work now? What, what What is he going to run? What's What's he going to do? Okay, and 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 he goes on as and Abraham said in the eighth verse, "My son, God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering." So they went both of them together. Now again, he wasn't thinking it was going to end up like that. He said God would provide a lamb. Uh, and he was speaking unto Isaac, all right? And they came to the place where God had told him of. Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order. Now listen, and bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. He bound Isaac, put Isaac on the wood. Now, do we hear Isaac screaming? No, nothing written about it. What do you think Isaac was thinking? He knew that he was about to be sacrificed. He had seen sacrifice. He knew what sacrifice was. Sacrifice was everything in that day. And there he is, and all of a sudden he must have thought, I'm the lamb. Hmm? I find it very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. That bless God, that it didn't say what Isaac said, how Isaac acted. All it said that the Lord God, or, or it said that the Lord God tells us. I mean, is that uh, Abraham bound, tied up Isaac where he couldn't get away, and laid him upon the wood, which was the was going to be used for him to be sacrificed. Again, how how could a father? Well, now, number one, you, you know, if you, if you could say this, and you can't because the Lord God, again, uh, let us know how much that Abraham wanted a son and the miracle that came through giving him a son, how much that Abraham loved his son, and now we're seeing the son laying on, a, 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 on wood. Abraham has got the knife in his hand. Now, listen, here it goes. And it goes, and, and, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, guys, it would be one thing to walk three days trying to figure this out. So for three days, Abraham's walking toward this place of Mount Moriah. And he's having to think about all of what's about to take place. Now, he gets there, and he's thinking, maybe... Kind of like I was thinking about maybe the Lord God not having us vow unto him the thing of holiness. Maybe, perhaps, okay? 
maybe perhaps, did it ever cross his mind that the Lord was going to say, no, don't, don't do it? Well, I think so. But the problem was there was no indication to that. The only thing the Lord God said, you're going to, you're going to kill your son. You're going to kill your, sacrifice your son to me. I'm God. How many agree that sounds really, really hard? And how many also agree, thinking of your children, that you could never do that? Abraham was about to do something that I'm not sure that anybody in their right mind that's ever walked the face of this earth could do. What was there about this man Abraham that would cause him to have even considered to have done that? Now listen, he's the father of all nations. Did he know that at the time? No, 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 not really in any way, shape, or form. Now let, let me tell you something. To the degree of which your destiny is, is to the degree of that which you will be tested or tempted by. Okay? So don't ever get to the place to get to, in your own walk with the Lord here of thinking that, well, bless God, I've got it tougher than everybody else. No, you are having to go through whatever that is in the way of which God has called you. Okay? And I've said that for years to preachers, you know. Well, I'm just going through the And the congregation, oh, the devil, the devil. Don't, don't praise the devil. You, you got control over the devil through Christ. You have to get your minds, brothers and sisters, swung over to this other, to this Abraham side. That God has a reason and a purpose for everything. He had a reason and purpose for all that was about to go, was coming down with Isaac. God has a reason and a purpose for your life, for your ministry. And, and you've heard me often say, God has to change us because we are not ready nor capable to bless God, do the things that he's wanting done a year from now in your life that you would do. The only way that he can get us to where we're ready and purposefully can be used is if he does what? Allows us to be tempted. Allows us to go through some hard places. I doubt that there's anybody in this room since at some point, and maybe even right now today, that couldn't say, boy, I'm about, uh, this, I'm, I'm about to fail here. Good. What? You mean the problem? Well, I kind of figured him for that anyway, right? No, no, no. That's what's got to happen. You see, in your weakness, you'll become strong. In your weakness, you'll become strong. Because no matter what you go through in life, you're going to come out the other side of it. And, and by the way, folks, you will, you will, you will. Say, I will. I will. You will come out of it. I can't tell you how many people that I've counseled with through the years that, oh, oh, I'm just going to give up. I tried to cut my wrist last night. What? What? And I always tell them the same thing. Do you realize a year from now, what you're talking about taking your life for won't even be in the back of your imagination? Grump! But you see, the church never told you those things. The church never taught you the things that this prophet's teaching you. There is a reason for where you're at today. And that reason is that God wants to use you in the tomorrows, and he can't till he refines you where you're at today. Can, does that make any sense to you at all? Because that's, that, that's what was going on here. Now, it, it, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, 11 first. And the angel of the Lord. Now, remember, he, he has the, the, the knife in his hand, okay, uh, to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord, 11th verse, called out unto him of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad. Wow. Don't you know that there was a sigh of relief? 
what I always uh, see in this is Abraham's got this knife, and he's getting ready. And what, what would have happened would have been he would have cut Isaac's throat. And he's just, he's right now at that point, and all of a sudden, and, 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 now, I love this, because when it comes into this, he calls out, the angel calls out from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham. And I don't believe it was, Abraham, Abraham. No, I think it's just what I said. Abraham, Abraham, stop! <laughs> why, why do you think, and I'm not saying he said stop, it didn't say there, but why do you think? Abraham had gone this far, hadn't he? He had gone this far. Now, folks, now listen closely. It took, it took Abraham three days of walking, taking his son onto that place of Moriah, which the Lord God appointed to him, putting the, putting the, the, the wood down, um, uh, tying up Isaac and putting him on top of the wood. Hmm? Now we're getting ready to do what? Almost the last step. You cut, you cut the lamb's throat. The lamb bleeds out and dies kosherly. Thank you. And then, bless God, they set it on fire. So he only had the, the, the cutting of the throat, the burning was the last two things to do. So the angel cried out to him, called out to him. I could have imagined so many years what must have, what must have run through the mind in the heart of Abraham. But folks, he went that far. Selfishness, I don't even have to think about it. And I have for years. I couldn't do that. I knew but again it's easy to think, well now I would you know, I know God would stop Do you really? Again, did Abraham know Abraham did not know that this was about to happen to him, God stopping this thing. He had to make a quality decision in his life to save, to slay, I'm sorry, his only son. He had to do that. And he was willing to do it. Obedience? Amen. Let's go on. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Took it to that for to decide that he feared God? Woo! Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the seed of his son. Now, you know what's neat because, you know, I, I prepare this stuff from the end of one quarterly to the beginning of the next one. Okay, this material. And so I had studied this. I had meditated upon it and prayed over it. And then yesterday, as so I'm interceding in your behalf, say, thank you, prophet. Thank you. And the Lord God spoke to me, and he said, he said, it's Isaac. And I said, then I will pull, I will get the, I will take the ram out of the bush. And I knew then that, that, that this thing, you know, was again, what? It, it was just that. It was a it was heart test for all of us. From this prophet all the way down. Hey, I've been in this business a long time, folks, and I know how real all this stuff is. And there, there is nothing in this world, bless God, when you start vowing to God any more important. Okay, and we're told, you know, we got to be careful with the way we do this stuff and all that. And but, but anyway, when when he said Isaac, whoa, immediately, immediately, I said I'll take the ram out of the out of the bushes. And I knew right then and there that, bless God, in our case, we're home free. Now, was the relief that I had or even you had when I, I told you this story, was it anything like that that Abraham? No, it, couldn't have, it could never even have gotten close to that which Abraham, bless God, uh, uh, had, uh, had gone through. There was no way in the world that it could have been that way. All right, let's go a bit further. And it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. 
I'm sorry, 14. Abraham called the name of that place Jova Jireh. And we have a song like that, don't we, that we sing? Like I keep telling you, even though there's no J's in the Hebrew alphabet, we seem to use them anyway, right? Okay. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sands of the sea, which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And thy seed, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto the young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now, again, what a story. What a story. But the thing that I want you to get out of this is, yes, we would have been selfish. I, I, I'm, I, I think all of us, starting with me. We would have been selfish enough that we would have never got to the end of the story, would we? No, we would have never got there. Would God ever ask that of you and I? I have no thought in my mind that our heart that that would ever happen to you or I. But what I do know is that we're going to be tempted. I do know that it's important for us to obey God. It's important for us to go on through and understand. You know, just about at the point of your failure... And I love this because remember when old, old Peter, you know, the, the big dumb fisherman, we got a couple, we got, you know, some big guys around. They're not dumb. Neither was Peter, okay? But I call him big dumb Peter because there he is sitting in this boat one day, okay? And, 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 and somebody looks out across there and that, there's a ghost coming. And they all look and... And the Lord said, fear not, it's me. He walked up through there and come walk. It's a little different to think about walking on top of water anyway. I mean, somehow I sink. How about you? He comes up through there and the big fisherman looks out there and said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come out there. Now, there's some real faith that was happening there with, with Peter that wasn't happening with the rest of them. The Lord said, well, come on out here, Peter. So you see old Peter climbing out of the boat, okay? Now, it, it doesn't say that, that he jumped out of the boat, but if you can imagine him, uh, you know, uh, here's the side of the boat, and he's in it, and he takes it. He turns around, he's holding on, he's getting down. But what it says is, and Peter walked to the Lord on the water, okay? He was out there walking on that water to the Lord. And I've always said, Peter did real well until he reminded himself, his flesh, you can't do this. Okay? You can't do this. Peter began to sink. Now, you know, the Lord Yeshua could have let him go. Swam or drowned, Peter. No, the Scripture says, and immediately, immediately, Yeshua reached down and took Peter by the hand and lifted him up. You never want to forget that you have to come to the very, folks, I'm talking about the, the, you know, the very edge of looking down and maybe it's 5,000 feet to the bottom and you're, 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 you're just about to go over the edge. Then's when the Lord will reach down and lift you up. He's not going to let anyone fall or fail you may look to be failing okay because again if, if, if that thing wasn't looking to be failing with Peter again it wouldn't have been real the areas of your life that you're going through today that look to be hey this you know this thing financially what with your marriage what, it looks like it's over no it's not over God is going to strengthen it to the place where you have complete victory over it if, in fact, you are willing to be obedient and go through it. Abraham had to go through it. Abraham didn't say, well, Lord, I, I, you know, I'm just going to pray here and fast for 30 days and 30 nights. You change your mind. He had to go through it. 
And folks, I, I don't know how a more of an illustration that I could ever give you than what I have given to you this morning about this man, Abraham. One whale of a man, wasn't he? But because of him, doing what he did, the Lord... But see, we saw the Lord saying he was going to bless him anyway, didn't he? As, a, as, a, as the dust of the, you know, the earth. And then he comes back over there. So, as in relationship to what I've been teaching you this weekend, he was told it was his. Now listen, but it wasn't his until he did what? Until he absolutely established himself in the righteousness of God. By being obedient to God. So, so you see, this stuff here called flesh is just that. And remember this, your flesh is always going to want the best for you. Now, you're never going to get so holy. You're never going to get so righteous that you're going to walk in a place where, well, my flesh would just every time say, hmm, well, yeah, let it be, Lord, whatever thou wantest for me. No, you're never going to get that holy, okay? You're never going to get that righteous. Your flesh, your flesh, your mind part of that is the biggest enemy, which I've taught you all these years you've been with me, the biggest enemy that you have. The thing that you have to learn to do is put your flesh down. You've got to learn to put the... What did Abraham do? He put his flesh down. Don't think again that he wasn't screaming. Don't think again he slept during any of that time. Don't think again that he didn't cry buckets of tears. Read between the lines because he would have, because he was human. And, and that child was his child, okay? Think about it. Could you? Would you? Now... I asked earlier, I think on Friday night, what would you be willing to give for this? What would you really be willing to give? Huh? The whole thing, well, I don't like, you know, the way this is going and that's going in this fellowship or that fellowship that's coming up, going down out and back. What? It's only your flesh. See, it's only your flesh. You've got to learn to handle your flesh. And if you learn to handle your flesh, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of this stuff will, will bless God change, and it will change quickly. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Hallelujah. Abraham, what a man. What a story. What a portion of real life. Abraham's, Abraham was something that, uh, wow. He wasn't just Abram. Or Abraham, he was obedient to God. Okay? Numbers 13, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that thou mayest search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler, among them. Okay? Go down to the 26th verse. And they went and came to Moses. Now, they chose those, uh, the, the 12 men. And Aaron and all the congregation, the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay? They went to search out the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sendest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, as this is the fruit thereof. Nevertheless... But, all right, it's always the buts, isn't it? Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The, the Melchites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Armor, and all the rest of the sites. I'm not going through it. 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And said, now listen, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb jumps up. Joshua was, was in his steed also, all right? But the men that went up with him, okay, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel. 
saying, The land the which we have gone and searched it is a land that eateth up in heaven and thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come to the giant, come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Whoa. God said they could. Ten out of the twelve said they couldn't. And you know, um, it's always the, the thing of looking at how hard something is. Okay? Well, I don't, no sense to it. That, that's foolishness is what that is. No, that's God. God told them that they could take the land. He gave them the land. Now, if God's going to give it to you, what? I, I think I mentioned this last night. What God has called you into to complete your destinies on this earth, he will give you the equipment, whatever it is, spiritually, bless God, to do what? To get it done. The problem is developing the equipment, okay? Learning to run the equipment, okay? That's, what, that's where the problem is. But now we're in a situation here where we got uh, ten people saying they can't. Got two, Joshua and Caleb said we're 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 more than able to take this thing. Now the other ten was looking at the situation. Joshua and Caleb was listening to what God said. The land is yours. Take it. Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna take this for a second into your life. Those things that are there in your life today that you're saying. Oh, I don't, I, I, I don't think we can. God already said you can. Okay? He's already said you can. In fact, what he's really saying, it's already done if you'll just believe. Because all things are possible to him that believeth. Okay? So, in other words, what you're doing is, at this point, many times, not all the time, but many times what you're doing is you're being like the ten instead of like Joshua and Caleb. You can take, you can take the giants in your life. You can, you can beat the giants of your life in every situation. Okay? And, but again, as I've taught you, you want to, don't take them all on at once. You get one, bat, one battle at a time. Okay? You take one battle at a time. That's right. We're hoping you'll go home and decide what might be the, the, what you deem to be the greatest sin in your life and you work on it till it's gone. Okay? Until it's gone. Now let's go to number 16, if you'll be so kind to turn there. We're going to start in the second verse. We're going to start in the second verse. Always like starting in the second verse. Don't ask me why. Um, and they rose up before Moses, another people, and certain of the children of Israel, 250 princesses of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Don't sound like a real good plan to me right off, but evidently they thought so, okay? And they said to them, Take you too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. What was he saying? Eh, you, you know, Aaron, mm -hmm. a little bit better than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Kind of got your thumb on us, and mm -hmm. we're all holy unto the Lord, and we're able to do what you and Aaron are doing, Moses. That's what was going on here. Now, on down in the, in the 28th verse of that same chapter, as things had, uh, and I hope if you haven't read all that, you surely need to do it and study it. But it says, And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. Because, well, see, they have got to the place now where, you know, now, now, folks, you're going to have to remember something. They were there when that ocean opened up. Okay? Now, when Moses brought two and a half, three and a half million people, whatever that was, out of Egypt, he knew that there was going to be an ocean called the Sea of Reeds, okay, the Red Sea. He knew that there was an ocean that he was going to have to be faced with. And, as, and I've always said, 
I don't know whether he thought that, bless God, they were going to have to stop and build boats to get across. But I'm going to tell you one thing I guarantee you that he didn't think about. He didn't think about that ocean opening up like jello on the walls and the entirety of two hundred or two and a half to three and a half million people crossed. And I always thought looking at whales and waving at them and, you know, oh, there's a, huh? To the other side. He didn't know that, folks. And yet at the same time, he knew what he was about, to, you know, what he was going to face. But because of his obedience to taking him out. Now, did he know he was going to face that, that ocean before, he took, that, before they took the first step outside of Egypt? You betcha. He had to have known. And there he was, wasn't he? But he didn't turn. He took him. Not knowing whether they're going to stop and build boats, but I don't think there was anything inside of him at that point in time that believed that God was going to open that ocean up. You ever hear of God opening up an ocean besides that one? Well, we do. Yeah, you do if you within the scriptures at times. But I'm just talking about how about in today's modern world? Now, folks, you know, learning to live in the miraculous, and, and you need to always keep going through that because I, I really believe it builds up your faith. I'm sure that it does. But as I've said, we are entering into a period of time that is going to, by all means, by all means, be greater than the times of which have been behind us. There's going to be such a demonstration of angelic power on this earth that once again they're going to fear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, it's going to be, it was always the God of Israel that they feared. It was never Israel. They could they could handle Israel. It's when this living God Yahweh got in the picture. That's when things went from bad to worse for them. Okay, so as you having to begin to realize that we are on a journey, and I, you all know that we bless God are going to cross an ocean. All right. Is God going to open that ocean up? I hope not. That, that's a lot of miles to have to walk on dry land, okay? <laughs> I just assume we go bear a plane or boat or something, but, but who knows what God's going to do. But God's got to bring us to a point that no matter what he does, now listen to me, no matter what he does, we're going to believe him. Amen. Okay? He's got, he's got to bring us to the point, because let me tell you what got him in so much trouble here. What ended up being a relationship with God that lasted 40 years, walking around the same rock and rocks numbers of times. Like I said, they had those rocks named. After four, they, you're going across that thing in, what, 10 days or so, walking. They're out there wandering around for 40 years. What do you think that they were doing? Oh, Hey, that's a, that's a rock we named Joe, isn't it? Yeah, hey, Joe. They probably was signing the rocks. You get the idea. But let me tell you something. Murmuring. When the Lord God said, now listen, I've had people accuse me. Well, you think you're both Moses and Elijah. No. God said it would be like me being likened to that of Moses bringing you out of the land of, of Egypt. No, the Elijah thing is what I am. All right. Now, when I begin to meditate that, you know, my mind immediately went to this whole thing about them coming out. And, and it used to just downright aggravate me to think that these people stood, and they all... Every Israelite, and even the Egyptians that joined him, and there were some that went out with him, they saw that marvelous miracle of an entire ocean opening up. They walked through. So I said, they looked at the fish swimming in it. Now, you get this for, now listen, how easily we seem to forget, don't we? Now we got people deciding that they're smarter than Moses and Aaron. That's what's going on right now and that where we're at in this thing. That they're as holy as they are, the whole congregation is. But what they're not remembering here, they weren't the ones that, bless God, that the Lord God chose to use as the vessel that opened up the Red Sea. It was Moses. And, 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 you know, when I, when I began to go through that, I thought, oh, dear God in heaven. 
And you mean I'm going to have to go, not, not through the opening up of an ocean, but the murmuring? Oh, yeah, well, that's what happened when they came out. Now, don't, when you read this, I'm not saying that we're going to go through everything they went through. But, folks, murmuring is something that somehow people don't have to go to school to learn how to do. Right? Amen? We just can murmur really good. <laughs> I love that part. Now, so Moses, he's in the middle of all this, of course. And, and, uh, and in that 20th verse, he says, And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them in my own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they visit, be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. Whoa. But if the Lord make a new thing in the earth, open up her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quickly into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave under, uh, asunder that was under them. And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appertained in the Koran, Koran, and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, Least the earth swallow us up also. And there came out of the fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Everything that came against Moses, the Lord God consumed. Now, let's go back to this thing about selfishness. I've always told you that anything with two heads is a freak. There can only be one head. There can only be one head of this organization. And I would give everything I owned if that head wasn't me. I, I suppose that probably that's the reason I'm here is because I don't want it. I didn't vote for it. I didn't ask for it. But the minute that somebody else decides that they're hearing from God to take this congregation forward, we're going to have a problem. Now, I'm not saying there's going to open up. and would be a nice show, though, wouldn't it? And they feared greatly. I guess we all would, right? But the fact of it is, folks, selfishness. And that's what they were in. They were there. They, they were selfishly wanting to take over the helm is what it amounted to. They thought, well, you know, we got out of this thing. Moses and Aaron's done a good job, but come on. Let's get rid of them, and let's, let's get on with the real party here. Let's get on with what's really happening. Well, look at me. I'm praying. God's speaking to me. And, and actually, he said, the whole congregation is holy, just as you are, Moses and Aaron. So why don't, why don't, why don't we get with this thing? And we don't need them anymore. But you see, they did need them. So selfishly, they decided to take over. And unselfishly, the Lord God swallowed them up, didn't he? Now, now, and we're not going to get uh, much further than this. In fact, with that, we're, we're moving on. But, you know, the neat, the neat thing about it all is that it still didn't end, did it? We go a little bit further as so you study all that uh, of, of Moses and taking the children of Israel out and the years that they wandered around, which were 40, into the wilderness. Now, now, now listen. It still didn't get any better. Now, you, you know what? Again, it's called flesh. It's called selfishness. They could not just settle back and leave well enough alone and understand something. Moses had to go through hell too. All right? The leadership has to go through whatever it is they're going through. And about the time the leadership is going through, and that's what that, that time, that's pretty well what was going on. Then the people decide to rise up and decide they can do it as well as Moses and Aaron was doing it. Well, in this case, as I said, the Lord God run. God forbid that we ever run into any of that. I'm not saying that I think we will. But what I'm trying to say is their selfishness 
got them their time of death right then, right there. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Thank you.